Hi, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Harvey. And, and this, this is Shelf Indulgence. So today we're going to be talking about Six of Crows, the best duology on Earth. Yes. And so this has major spoilers. So, so if you haven't read it, um, don't listen. And do yourself a favor and go read it and then watch, listen to this episode. All right. So first off, let's talk about just the the macros of the world, the overall big things that we really enjoy about the book. And so for starters, Ketterdam. Just the whole aesthetic, and I really enjoyed how it was um, set in like a city, and it wasn't just like some old hillbilly country town where nothing ever happened. I feel like, yeah, because fantasy worlds are always just like, oh, they lived off the land. It was like on a hill, a little cottage, blah, blah. But I really liked how it was a dark city with street gangs and thieves and smugglers and stuff. And I thought that made the world even more interesting. I also enjoyed how it was, they seemed to be in their industrial revolution Mm -hmm. sort of uh, time period. Because it was really interesting to see how the magic interacted with the the guns and, like, the the ships and all their others just kind of, like, in the bombs and stuff like that because I feel like in most fantasy worlds, it's like, oh, here's an all-powerful person with magic and the only thing the other person has to fight with this is a sword. Yeah, it's always a sword. And um, going off of what you said... um. I really liked how the world was based off of Russia, and they used, like, Russian terms and mm-hmm. Russian foods. I thought that was pretty cool because it was more realistic, and the whole Industrial Revolution was also more realistic because yeah. you can tell that it's set in, like, the 1800s. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed it because I felt like it, most fantasy worlds are usually based off of, like, Britain, France, or Germany. Mm-hmm. And so the whole Russian twist was definitely made the whole world... Um, more intriguing and newer like it had this sort of novelty to it even if it did take like kind of parts that other fantasy worlds might have too yeah and I enjoyed that the author didn't she decided to make it because she's like half Russian too Did, did you know that I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't know that but um Lee Bardugo is half Russian and I thought that it was interesting that she like completely and thoroughly researched it before going into this Mm -hmm. and I also thought it was really well done so you can tell if you try to think about like what would happen here you would know what would happen it's not like you don't have to do mental acrobatics to find out what goes on in this world (laughs) it's not like she's uh pulling stuff out of a hat when she realizes she needs to fill a plot hole everything fits together um and then so another thing that I really liked about the whole overall world is that there's diversity and the diversity makes sense. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel forced. It fe- felt like everyone meant to be there, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I also like how she had like different types of people that were like related to different ethnicities, I guess. Like Inej hails from these people called Sulis. And they have dark skin and their own culture. And I'm pretty sure it was based off of, like, Indian or, like, Middle Eastern, like, influence. And I thought that was really cool that she incorporated that. And she didn't have to use, like, real aspects or real names. But she still did it right. Yes. And I'm glad that she did it right and, like, I guess gave us credit for that, too. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed how, like, you didn't have someone pop up that was, like, of a 
different ethnicity and go wait like where like every time you met someone like you knew where they came from and you knew why they were there if that made sense it wasn't just like she realized she needed someone to add the like diversity factor and plug them in there yeah like you knew that in Ravka people had magic but also from Shuhan Shuhan is based off of China or like an Asian country and all the people from there look like that so Mm -hmm. that was I think that was nicely done that you could tell and like interact with the world I guess yeah and then so this doesn't the diversity just isn't just for people of color but also like the LGBTQ plus community there was a lot of um like there was a lot of like diverse characters that were part of that community and then I also liked how she she introduced them and she didn't just uh for example like I feel like in a lot of books people are just like when the character's going through their monologue and, like, introducing everyone at the start, they're like, and there's my best friend, he's gay, like, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, it's, like, completely obvious, but I would have never guessed that Jesper was going to end up with Wyland, you know? Yeah. Um, and then also the main character has a disability, which is really nice because for the most part, I feel like if you have some sort of physical disability, like a limp or like missing a limb or something it's usually in a uh, a villain but this one was in the hero which I felt like was very nice to see and it didn't make him like Kaz less cunning or mm-hmm. less good of a character we loved him even more for that because yes. he overcame that and he's still like such a strong character all right and then one of the most important things is the fact that it was a heist yes and so I I loved this because it was the 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 whole thing was it wasn't like oh I'm doing this to save the world and it's the right thing to do and I mm-hmm. have to I have to do this to save anything everyone it was kind of like well money guess guess I'm going to do this like <laughs> it was it was a very nice change of pace to have this be the reason why the motivation behind the like the plot instead of having like the goody two shoes I must save everyone because I feel like after a while it gets old it's like we get it you you love everyone woohoo yeah I hate that because it's so predictable too you're just like oh now she's gonna go save the world yawn I know what's gonna happen next she's gonna pull like some kind of move and everyone's gonna be magically saved but in this it was about their own personal interests and Kaz I we love him because he's selfish, and we love him because he loves his money, and I thought that was, like you said, a really nice mm-hmm. motive behind the plot. Exactly, and but at the same time, you could still root for them. You weren't like, mm-hmm. um, like you could still find reasons why you loved them, and I feel like that she just wrote them perfectly, where they weren't like the perfect heroes, but they were still enough of like heroes that you could root for the whole gang. Yeah, that makes sense. I also liked that Lee Bardugo kind of kept everything hidden in the plot. So we got mm-hmm. like glimpses of them later. It was kind of like a misdirection. So we never knew their real plan. But then once you did, you could see everything fit together and how they kind of, like conducted this plan. Exactly. Like once you knew the whole, the ending, like you could piece together all the pieces because yep. that's one of my biggest pet peeves when like an author pulls something out of thin air and you're 
you just can't, even when you go back and reread it, you can't find any of the puzzle pieces leading up to it. But you could definitely tell with the puzzle pieces. And then once you got to the end and you figured out, like, what happened, it was, it all made sense. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like adding on to that, every single relationship also made sense. Like, it wasn't just, like, they threw in a character because of one purpose. Everyone fit in separately and they all had different things to do and I feel like mm-hmm. what's the word for it like they're they just worked well together I guess let's put yes. it let's just put it at that yes um and then also I felt like every single individual relationship like between two members of the gang like they both would make sense with their personalities um uh, Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, even if it, even, like, platonic relationships, like, you could definitely see how they work together and why they were happening, as opposed to when you're just, um, when you read books and then two people are, like, platonically friends and you're just like, I feel like they would hate each other, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, and I also enjoyed that she wrote it in six different perspectives i that's mm-hmm. hard like writing more than one is hard enough on its own but she has six well-developed characters that work together and each of their relationships like you said completely makes sense based off of their backgrounds and how like what they've been through but also you can tell that lee bardugo really planned this out and her characters are separate from one another and they make sense like it's so they're not two-dimensional. Yes. And then also I enjoyed that because it was written from six different perspectives, we got to see, like, every single part of the plan play out in, well, I guess we can call it real time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> even though it's just a book. But, um, so, like, so the main characters were never forced to stay together and, like, do all the things stuff together Mm -hmm. because I don't know if you guys have ever hung out with like six friends and tried to do anything it is hard to like get everyone on the same page (laughs) even going to Walmart is difficult because you have one friend going for the snacks and then one one friend going uh to the like to the beauty products and then you're just like hey 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 guys let's try not to get lost here yeah because everyone's different so I can't imagine like trying to write um trying to describe the whole book and all of its events from one perspective, which made me really enjoy the six perspectives. Yeah. Um, Also, I liked about all six of them that it wasn't just the money that drove all of them because money drove Kaz, obviously. But then they weren't all just greedy for it. They had a motive to do this. Like Inez, she wanted to be free from what she owed um, the dregs and the crows, um group and then jesper was doing this because he had lied to his father and mm-hmm. told him that he was attending university in kirch but clearly he wasn't so he needed that money so i feel like i enjoyed seeing that every character had a different motive and they weren't all just like oh greed like yeah you saw money they were all she after didn't the take money. a shortcut you yeah. know they were all after the money but it was all after uh it for different reasons mm-hmm. so they were after what the money enabled them to do, I I guess is the way you'd put it. Yeah. 
Okay, and so now we're going to start talking about the characters, the meat of the book, what makes the book the book. (laughs) And if you didn't heed our warning earlier and have listened to the episode, I suggest stopping now because you don't want to be spoiled for the characters because it's truly the backbone of the book and you really need to know the stuff. All right, so to start off with, let's start off with what, what I guess you'd consider to be the main character, the I guess Kaz. And so Kaz is, I feel like this defined by his like smarts and cunning, um, and also his ruthlessness definitely. Oh yeah. And then um, so Kaz is a thief, and so I feel like that really provides a solid backbone of his character. And with every single action he does, you never forget that he is a thief. Because even if he's planning a rescue mission or, uh, like, taking down a mercher or whatever, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's always, he always is thinking like a thief while he's doing it. He's never thinking as some grand hero that's taking down a corrupt government. I know. He always thinks about it as, how can I get his money out of this? Oh, yeah. And um, I also love that he's a 17-year-old boy, but his reputation on the streets of Ketterdam is that he's a ruthless boy who will do anything for money, and everyone calls him Dirty Hands, and a lot of people are afraid of him, so I thought that was really cool, because when you started reading the book, you realize how scared he is, because the words literally start off on Inish's chapter, like, Kaz Brecker didn't need a reason. Those were the words whispered on the West Dave. And I was like, oh my god, I love this. Okay. Also, the fact that he's 17. Like, mm-hmm. I'm 17 right now, and I haven't achieved anything. The The most productive <laughs> thing I've done is go to school and Literally. learn something. I, I hope. <laughs> but it, I always find it interesting when characters are so young and then, but, and yet they seem, like, you can see their immaturities, but they also are achieving, like, such great things. And then it really gets you sitting there and thinking, like, damn, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I know. Okay, speaking about, like, the age thing, I was watching, like, some people rant about this book, and they were like, these characters are definitely not 17. They're so much more mature. And I'm like, yes, but we like it that way. You can <laughs> pretend they're 17 because they've been through so much. So, like, maturity is inevitable. They're, they're going to yes. be mature, you know? I feel like um, maturity doesn't necessarily come as a product of how many years you have lived, mm-hmm. but how many experiences you have lived through. Definitely. And just, just for example, like, the pandemic, just living through it, I can, I can definitely feel myself being more mature than when I started out. And because you think about, like, everything that's happened, I feel like you're more grateful. And mm-hmm. I'm definitely more grateful at the end of it because I'll, yeah. I'll walk outside now after I, like, at the start of the pandemic, I literally spent, like, a whole month inside. And so I'll walk outside now and I'll be like, dang, I'm outside. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so going on to Inej. The, the Wraith. And so Inej is a, the spy for Kaz, and she's the best in Ketterdam. And so um, they call her the Wraith because she moves silently without being anyone being able to sense her presence. And I feel like this, uh, this character fits her so well. Mm-hmm. And then also when you hear her backstory. It's and- so sad. Everyone has a sad backstory, but Inej is just hit different. I was crying. <laughs> I know. So bad. <laughs> and then when you hear your ba- her backstory, though, you, you understand why she's so good at what she yeah. does. And then it also makes you think about, like, all the gymnasts and acrobats you, you see. Like, my little sister used to be a gymnast, and I'm like, 
Elizabeth could become a Nez. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I like that it wasn't just thrown out there that, oh, she was born with this silent talent. No, she came from a family of acrobats, and mm-hmm. that's why she's good at, like, climbing up drain pipes and being silent. And exactly. I, I'm glad that there was a reason for that. Yeah. And then also, I loved her character because it was so unique. Like, she had this unique um, intersection between her having to, like, kill people in order to survive, but then also mm-hmm. her faith in the Sui gods and, like, the saints. And it, I felt like it was a really interesting intersection because quite often it feels like if you have, like, a, a killing machine in a book or, like, someone that kill or, like, a street fighter or something they don't necessarily have morals yeah have morals or like seem to believe in a higher power or have anything that uh suggests that they're affected by the the killing that they have to go through and i felt like this was uh quite unique and different because she did seem to have some sort of every single life she took seemed to have some sort of effect on her Mm -hmm. and you could tell that she um she was still trying to hold on to her faith that she'd been taught before as much as possible. Yeah, and um, the unique thing about Inej was that she spent time among these barbaric people and she had to join the crows, but she had no temper. She was still calm. She believed in mm-hmm. her. And no matter what everyone said and like made fun of her for believing in her saints, she still did it anyway. And... Having, like, this kind of faith for the world, even after being sold into sex trafficking at 13, and she can come back from that still believing that there's good in the world, I think that that is, she's such an inspiration because Mm -hmm. that is an amazing mindset that she doesn't pity herself or, like, wallow in her own misery, but instead she's looking to make the world better so that nothing, like, what happened to her would happen to anybody else again. Exactly. Um, so Inej definitely showed a lot of strength by not being taken in by everyone else's morals, I guess, and continuing to hold to her own set, despite the fact that she was removed from the community that raised her on those morals and helped her. Yeah, and I'm glad. I'm really happy that it wasn't stereotypical in that she was an innocent child, and then she grew up among these, like, barbarians and became like them, and now she's, like, their weapon or killing machine. Mm-hmm. That, no, I'm I'm glad that she held on to that little tether of her family and her saints and her Sui, at, like, background. That yeah. Was... And then also, um, not to mention that she's also, like, a really badass character because she has these knives and they're named after saints which i also thought was really cute that she would like silently interesting though because like um i feel like saints are usually viewed as like these benevolent souls yeah she was like she was like all right if i'm gonna kill people might as well do with like (laughs) saints and hope that helps them get into the right afterlife you know i know (laughs) okay but also like I feel like all the crows have some sort of, like, mental illness, right? Because of everything they've been through. And I like that Inej's comfort was silently naming her knives and, like, having her Mm -hmm. knives with her. That was, like, her comfort. And when they were torn from her, that she was, like, in terror. And I feel like that was interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, And then, so Nina... Woo! Oh, my gosh. Our bi-waffle-loving queen! (laughs) So, she's a Grisha, 
And so she's a heart, heart render. Heart trender. Heart trender. Are we sure? I never know how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, all because the Grecian names are like Corporal Kai or whatever. Yeah, like, they're so for, weird. For a little bit, I don't, I used to think it was a heart ender. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, how creative. I mean, kind of though, because that's what she does. Yes, that's what I thought it was. But so they're like an elite class and they are people that have different kinds of magic or, or the Grisha. Uh-huh. And so I love Nina because she was like such a funny and cute character while also being a, a badass. Like she she was definitely had more feminine qualities, but she was still like able to fight and not afraid of anything. Um, and it wasn't like she wasn't like a one dimensional character. You didn't just like categorize her as Oh, like the quirky girl. No, she loved to eat and she was still powerful, still wise, but also funny and charming. And one thing that I really liked is that Lee Bardugo wrote her to be big in body size. And I have never seen that in YA fantasy. So I thought mm-hmm. that was amazing because representation. Yes. Oh, and but then also like even though she had a bigger body size, people were like still attracted still to her. Still yeah. And like her like, art my- as, um skinny yeah and that wasn't where i was going but that too oh, sorry. Um, what i was going to say isn't like in the books people were still like uh attracted to her and people and she like still flirted with people flirt people flirted back like matthias was attracted to her and it was never like and he never gave off the sense that like i'm the only one that's like attracted to you and so you like better be thankful that i'm I'm doing you this server. Because I feel like in a lot of books, if someone is plus size, it's like, um, or like They're bigger. They're usually just like the side best friend that nobody likes or discards. And exactly. It's, it's like And dumb. then if they do end up with like your boyfriend or girlfriend, they always like have this like vibe that like they, they don't they'll never them. get anyone else. Yeah, exactly. Because they're too ugly. And yeah. then she like, and then I also liked how she... Uh, flirted with like anything and everyone and I was like <laughs> yes be confident in who you are yeah and she's confident she loves herself she loves waffles and food and I'm so glad that she like wasn't ashamed of that every time she was just like I'm hungry and everyone's like wait but you just ate but she wasn't ashamed and I thought relatable yeah Love and it. then also my question about the waffles is when she says uh yeah after this is done you're gonna have to go bring get me take me to get waffles is this like if you were going to like waffle house at like 5 a.m in the morning <laughs> after like you after committing a, a crime <laughs> <laughs> or just like you like you know how when nowhere else is open you go to waffle house and it's like uh, because it never closes. Yeah. My question is, is this, like, the same kind of thing where people are just like, yeah, let's go to Waffle House now? Yeah, but, like, the place they were talking about, I imagined it to be, like, a little bit, like, more fancy and, like, aesthetic, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Who who knows? I guess we'll see in the upcoming, uh, at some point, hopefully, in the show. Yeah. If not okay, this season. Also, going back to what you said about the Grisha, like, being an elite class and, like, with different people. I know there's, like, not much Grisha in Six of Crows and it's more, like, in Shadow and Bone. But I also enjoyed that concept about the world. How, um, the magic people were considered elite over normal people who were considered, like, commoners and peasants. And I know I guess that's, like, a little cliche, but I thought that was interesting how Alina's life changed like that when they found mm-hmm. out that she, w- she had magic and they took her in to be this wealthy, noble person. Yeah. 
also find found it interesting um the disparity of how the Grisha were treated in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Like in Ravka, if you were a Grisha, that was like great for you. Yeah. You were like living the life. But if that happened to you in Shuha or, or yeah, yeah. or Shuhan or even Kirch, because that was like when you were indentured, it was like sucks to be you, I guess. <laughs> so I I think it was kind of interesting to see the differences in how they were treated within yeah. over like the borders, I guess. Yeah, that was interesting because um, I had read Shadow and Bone, and then when I read Six of Crows, it said that Nina had to like hide herself from so nobody could find out that she was Grisha, and I was like, okay, that's interesting because that's kind of like tackling racism, I guess. In some, it's like not racism, but like discrimination of some kind. Yeah. Okay, now moving on to Jesper. Okay, I love Jesper. I he, do too. He was like. He wormed his way into my heart a little bit. <laughs> I just, um, I found his character just to be really compelling because he was, like, such a loyal and, like, depend not dependable, but he wanted to be as trustworthy as possible, and he, he really wanted to help out, but then he had these issues that, um, that almost made him unknowingly do these things like his gambling gambling addiction if he like he unknowingly uh like just told the i forget dirty not dirty (laughs) um dime lions yeah yeah the dime lions and i just found it interesting because like it's just like he he tried the best that he can he could I felt like, but then it still just wasn't good enough until eventually, like, Wyland gave him the support that he needed to mm-hmm. um, mostly get off gambling, but I guess buying stocks is still gambling. <laughs> okay, no. Also, with Jesper, um, when we first, like, started reading from his perspective and stuff, I didn't really think his gambling obsession was, like, that big, but then as you get deeper, you realize how much it has affected him and how much mm-hmm. he has lost because of it. And that it is a big deal to him yeah. and that it matters. And when you start, like, looking at that in depth, I feel like you really feel for him. Yeah, definitely. In time. And then also, um, I really enjoyed how his, like, Grisha power manifested, I guess. Yes. <laughs> especially the part where, like you finally realized that he was probably such a good shooter because he was literally guiding the bullets. And that I part, thought that was so cool. I thought that was cool. Because I um because you could tell like that he was still using his power in some kind because he was like decrepit and like withering away like Grisha should be <laughs> if they don't use it. Yeah. But I also liked how it was like completely different from what Grisha had been taught their power was to be used as yeah and everyone no one had ever thought that that was possible because it was just like outside of the normal realm of like how it was to be used and I'm glad that again it wasn't just like oh he's he's a born natural he he always like never misses a target but instead there's a deeper explanation is that he's Grisha and he's like kind of uses Which I guess is even being born as a natural. Okay, of. I mean true, but it wasn't just like oh, he's he's just so good at it, but they're like no training, no nothing. He just mm-hmm. magically knows how to do this. Yes. And then I I loved him and Wyland personally. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> they they might be my favorite sh- 
uh, Wesper might be my favorite ship, if I'm being completely honest. Okay, I'm all Kanesh because Kaz and Nesh <laughs> are soulmates. But also, I was a little mad at him when he kissed Kuwait. I was like... Oh, Kuwait's so weird. Like, I don't know what... I, I have something against Kuwait. I do not like him. He's so weird. I just didn't like how Kuwait just, like, stood there and let Jesper kiss him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, no, that's just not meant for you. <laughs> um, and so I guess this is kind of a good segue into why. Like, I, I thought his character was interesting because he, like, even though he didn't face all the difficulties that the rest of the crows kind of faced growing up, well, I guess, like, most of the crows, like, Jesper, Kaz, and Inej, like, that they faced, like, growing up. Mm-hmm. But he, like, still faced his own difficulties it, just in a nicer cage, I guess. Is. Yeah, no, um, I liked how it was different, and it wasn't completely, like, a traumatic background. He has no parents, no nothing, no one to turn yeah. to. But instead, it was his own dad who mm-hmm. didn't think he was worthy because Wyland couldn't read and he thought he was incapable of everything. And I thought that was interesting because I've never, like, he's such a smart character, but the fact that he can't read and it doesn't, I guess, pull him back. Does, yeah. I liked that. I thought that was so interesting because I've never read about a character who can't read. I I thought it was interesting because it, um even though he couldn't read, he still, um like, none of the other gang members were, like, thought less of him mm-hmm. and then also it wasn't like this long journey to, with to find himself within and learn how to read <laughs> magically like it showed that you can still survive being without certain without, talents yeah without certain talents and the the story like his arc wasn't about him learning to read it was about him learning to survive without his reading i guess and I guess accepting the fact that he can't read because at first he didn't want anybody knowing, mm-hmm. but then he just accepted it because the crows didn't like like him any less for that, you know? Yes. They accepted it. Alright, and then on to Matthias. Our dead boy. <laughs> <laughs> What's it? Um, I I mean he was interesting, I guess. I felt <laughs> like uh the way he like accepted Nina and then he was thrown into Hellgate and then he like obviously didn't like her anymore and then he like slowly moved his way back to accepting her. I felt it was interesting especially because the way that he was taught that no Grisha could ever like be nice to him or like would do anything but try to kill him mm-hmm. and then when he, once he finally met one and like spent some time around her his his mind changed. I felt like that could be very used. Like, I feel like that represents a lot of things like the real world because I feel like a lot of prejudices can be developed because certain people are telling you stuff about a group that you've never met or interacted before. And then by the time you meet them, you're already so filled with this hatred. You don't even like give them a chance. Yeah, because you're going in with this mindset that they're evil, that they're horrible people, but then... No matter what they do, you're just going to see that it's bad. Exactly. Manipulation. And then, I also enjoyed how he... I felt like, to be completely honest, like, I'm sure a lot of people will come for me, but I feel like most of his personality was based around Nina. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I feel like he was just, like, on the Nina train and riding it till it dies, or or he dies, I guess. Oh, he kind of? 
um, Alid and Lorkin, Lorkin. Alide. Alide. Okay. Alide. Okay. Whatever, whatever. I'm going to say it how and I Lorcan. want. Lorkin. Lorkin, yes. Lord Lorkin Lockin. <laughs> Love that. Okay, but um, Alide and Lork, Alide, Alide, and Lorkin from Throne of Glass, I kind of, like, saw similarities between them, even though, like, they have different personalities, yes, but I feel like the relationship was, like, pretty similar. Yeah, and then, um, I just, okay, his death, though, I felt like it, like, made sense in the way, because, Mm -hmm. like, it kind of showed that, like, even if everything goes, you can do everything right and then still fail. Okay, but I also thought his death was kind of symbolic, because it, he, there wasn't, like, a cause for why he died, he a random Fierden boy shot him because he thought he was a traitor. And I feel like that boy is a representation of Matthias when he was younger because that's exactly. what they've been taught to think. So I thought I thought that was kind of unique, but also when the rest of the crows found out, I lost it. I was keeping a leash on myself. And when the rest of the crows reacted to the death, I lost it. I cried so hard. It was okay. bad. I'm I like it speed read so i was reading it and i kind of missed out on the part where he died and then i saw nina crying and was like no it was like i was like wait what and then i had to like flip back a couple pages and i was like whoa 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 just skipped over the entire part where he died okay well no i thought he just like i thought he'd gone to like an altercation and was like punch punch i didn't know i guess one person had to die but you know what i'll take it because even though it hurts, he's with the wolves. Remember that part where he's like he has a bunch of wolves and how Fjordans and wolves are like brothers, but yeah. he's like with them in heaven and I I'll take it, okay? Yeah. It was it was good. Out of all the gang members that had to die, I guess it I expected him, you yeah. know. I guess he's like the least important. <laughs> I feel like uh yeah, I feel like if any of the others died I would have been a lot more devastated. But Yeah. Especially, like, Kaz, Inej, or Nina. I don't know. I'm, like, so attached to all of them. But, like, those three just, like... I, I would have yeah. stopped for days. I, I don't think she could ever kill off Kaz. Oh, yeah, definitely not. He's too smart to die. <laughs> but he'll be, like, in 90 years old and Grim Reaper will be coming for him. And he'll be like, I'll take your job, you know? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, okay, Kaz and Aelin would be at, like, the same therapy group. <laughs> And then they'd be tricking their therapist, telling them all everything the therapist wants to hear, but not not actually implementing it. Alright, so I think that about wraps up our whole uh, rant about Six of Crows. And this is all in honor of Shadow and Bone premiering, so if you have Netflix, go give it a watch. Um, If you don't have Netflix, find a friend that does. (laughs) Alright, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Harvey. And And this this was Shelf Indulgence. Indulgence.